Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. Da-boomer. <laughs> Man, we're going old school today, baby. It's just you and me. Uh, here we go. You know, Burge, he's, he's, still, he's still on injured reserve. Uh, he still is uh, battling a cold at the moment. Uh, maybe uh, Sharp Parker gave it to him. But uh, no, it's, it's just you and I, just like old times. You know, we're not recording from uh, my dining room, but how the hell are you today, Jay? I'm good, I'm good. And first of all, obviously, Burge, hope you're doing well, brother man. Hope you get, you know, uh, hope you're mended uh, quickly enough, and hopefully you'll be ready to go next week. We missed you, buddy, and we're thinking of you. But in regards to the football action, I tell you what, Puma, this was the best weekend in sports I've had in a long, long time. Obviously, I know you're not a big football fan in regards to college football, but... You know, Saturday the games were absolutely nuts. The Buckeyes win. There was a Red River shootout. That was an absolutely insane game. On top of that, Alabama loses. And then Sunday comes around. The Patriots have the comeback win 22-9. The the absolute seesaw of emotions that I had in the Chargers-Browns game. And Sunday Night Football itself was a great watch. So, all in all, man, I'm just happy we had a great football weekend. Yep. I got got a little bit of the uh, the Red River uh, shootout. Um, I basically, Tara and I, we went to, uh, you know, a buddy's wedding up in New Hampshire. So I saw maybe like, a, I believe it was like the first quarter. Uh, I, it, we left right after not Rattler, but like the backup quarterback came in mm-hmm. and housed like a, a touchdown run for like 76 yards. Uh, as the college savant, you know, the, the guru of the pod, what, what is going on in Oklahoma? Like is Spencer Rattler a bust? Is like is he just having like an off season? Like what what is going down in uh, in Norman, Oklahoma? Well, very simply, you I mean obviously you don't watch much college football, but I think you do understand that Spencer Rattler was going to be the number one overall pick or in the top 5 for quarterbacks for the upcoming NFL draft, right? Mhm. And besides that, like besides Rattler, there was nobody else out there that was going to contend for that number one quarterback in the draft title. However, so far, he's been absolute trash. He's been hot garbage, and and I think a lot of it comes down to his execution. Um, They thought that he was going to take a personal step forward this year. I don't think he's taken that step because you can pluck anybody and throw them into that system in Oklahoma, and they will produce. I mean, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, I mean, Jalen Hurts, you name it. You pluck anybody into that system and you throw them in there, they're going to produce. They're going to put up good numbers. He's having a massive time just making routine throws. And, you know, Caleb Williams comes in, a retro freshman, when they're down to Texas in the Red River shootout by, like, 24-9 or whatever the crazy score was. They were down by, like, 17 points. It's ridiculous. Caleb Williams comes in. He, he gives some energy to the offense. He starts running the ball. He's more accurate. He's throwing the ball downfield. They come storming back and win the game. And and now the question is, going forward, what do you do with uh, what do you do with Spencer Rattler, right? I mean, he was going to be your number one guy, but Caleb Williams is playing at such a high level, you can't take Caleb Williams off the field. So going forward, I don't know what's going to happen. If I had to guess, I think they're going to play both of them. I think they're going to use that quarterback, dual quarterback system for a little bit because Caleb is too young to take that offense on his shoulders and run with it. But I think with the supplement of Caleb into Spencer Rattler's offense, I think that would be the, the way to go for the next two or three weeks and then eventually towards the end of the season. I think Caleb Williams will will just kind of edge out Spencer for the number one spot. Gotcha. Now, did, did Williams fin- finish the whole game? Yeah, he finished the whole game. He brought them all the way back and they won. Gotcha. gotcha. Absolutely insane game. And then on top of that, Alabama has lost as well. Um, that's something yeah, to A and M, Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So, so Texas A&M was a 14-point underdog, and Alabama wins that game. And uh, to be frank with you, 100%, I think Alabama really misses uh, Steve Sarkeesian because obviously Steve left for that Texas uh, Texas job, and he's doing wonders at UT right now. But Bill O'Brien, it's um, his play calling is a little. Um, Maybe it's it's an NFL-style play calling. Maybe it's a little too conservative in the red zone. But they got down to the red zone a few times. And I just had in the back of my mind that if Steve was on that sideline, Scarsusian, he would have gone those boys into the end zone. I feel like Bill O'Brien kind of really let him down. So it's something right. to keep an eye on. Alabama's not that good. It looks like Georgia might be the, the best team in the SEC. And that's something you haven't said in a long time um, for a conference that has Alabama in it. So it'll be interesting, man. But the, the bigger point here is... This is the first time in a long time teams like Clemson look bad. Alabama looks like they're they're beatable. Ohio State looks beatable. This is the first time in a long time it is wide open. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking teams like Iowa. Cincinnati is ranked number three in the country. We've got teams like, you know, Michigan State at number seven. Michigan at six. Ohio State's in the top ten. But I think... Uh, you'll see teams that you haven't seen before in the college football playoff, and that might be a good thing for college football. I think it's a good thing. Um, I think it, it's good to get that new blood in there because, you know, part of, me for, for, you know, of it for me is, you know, obviously I don't follow college that much, but whenever I do, it's always like the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world or like mm-hmm. the Ohio States and, you know, Notre Dame might have a run for a cup of coffee, but it's always like death taxes in Alabama – in the national championship and you know it kind of it kind of gets old at least you know from that perspective for me so it's it's always good to get that new young blood in there so i'm, I'm excited yeah. if i had to guess it's probably going to be georgia out of the sec oklahoma out of the big 12 out of the big 10 i could be a homer and say ohio state but i don't feel comfortable saying that because we've got some serious issues with our quarterback. He's gone better. Uh, the last couple of weeks, he's gone better, and we've gone to the 60-point range. But he's still a red, uh, redshirt rookie. Uh, his name is uh, redshirt freshman. His name is C.J. Stroud, and he's, he's definitely not what Justin Fields was. So out of the Big Ten, I think I think Michigan might be legit this year. And obviously, that's uh, something we say oh, every man, year. Khaki pants? <laughs> khaki, khaki pants, pants going to be has legit? Got, khaki pants has got those boys rolling. They got their first real big test coming up in two weeks against Michigan State, who's also undefeated. Uh, Michigan State went out and brought Mel Tucker from Colorado, uh, and those guys are, are balling at a different level right now. But Michigan State, Michigan, in about, I would say, two weeks is going to be a game that's going to give you a really good look into that Michigan program. If they're legit, if they're back, they'll answer a lot of questions. And and then, obviously, the last bit is up for, you know, it might be a Pac-12 team, might be another SEC team or, Pac- or Big Ten team. So it's, it's going to be fun, man. You're going to see some teams in there that you haven't seen before. And I think that's going to create a lot of buzz and energy for, for college football as a whole. Mm-hmm. Love it. Shoot, we just did a quick little college football segment. I know. <laughs> look at that. Put that on YouTube. Clip that. Put I'll that. clip that. Clip it. All clip right. It. Uh, let's, let's, well, let's move on to some uh, week six NFL previews. We've got the Buccaneers taking on the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. The Cowboys are playing my New England Patriots on Sunday. The Chargers are playing the Ravens for AFC Supremacy. The Cardinals are taking on the Browns, and then the Bills and the Titans round out the week. Six previews on Monday Night Football. And then, as always, we'll have the best bets with the Puma, where he will try to help you win some cold, hard cash. Yeah. I don't know why I have to say it all sensual like that, but I did. I love it. It's great. It's great. (laughs) 
All right, the four and one Tampa Bay Buccaneers are traveling up to Philadelphia to take on the two and three Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Bucks are coming off of a forty-five seventeen beatdown of the lonely Dolphins. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you didn't throw up watching that game, Puma. I mean, I'll say this much though: it was like twenty-four seventeen going out of half, coming into you know out out of halftime, and I think it was like that in the fourth quarter. And then you know the Dolphins just freaking laid an egg, and they they quit, and that's a story for another day. And Antonio Brown had a you know a career day, and Mike Evans had a career day. Tom Brady, what did he do? He threw for like six touchdowns and five million yards, and he looks amazing. I mean, he did he did ding up the thumb, but you know, in the words of uh, Belichick, we're not talking about you know heart surgery here. So don't don't you bring up that guy that man's name, right? His name is (laughs) Bella Fraud, not Belichick. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this should, you know, on paper, this is going to be a, a decent matchup. Uh, I think I think with the Eagles and the Bucks, I mean, the, the Buccaneers, they're coming in, you know, wounded a bit. I mean, their secondary is just decimated. Levante David's going to miss. Uh, we've all said that the front four for Tampa Bay is great. Uh, but the secondary, I mean, you and I might be starting in that secondary at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we all, like, made fun of, like, the Richard Sherman signing just in time to play the New England Patriots. But, like... He's actually doing his job mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of how bad that secondary is. Um, but I think I think this is going to be a decent scoring game just because uh, the secondary for the Eagles at times could be suspect outside of um, uh, Darius Slay. I do expect a high-scoring game here. The over-under set at 53. I think, you know, obviously the Eagles, one, they don't like to run the football in the first place. We've seen that through five weeks now with Nick Sirianni, Miles uh, – uh, you know, Miles uh, for the, the the running back for the Eagles. He is uh, he, he's really like a non-factor in, in most of these games. Like they're not really using him in the passing game. They're they're not using him uh, at all in the run game. Uh, Miles Sanders. I don't know why I spaced his name, but I think this is going to be a good Zach Ertz game. Just because Dallas Goddard's going to be missing because of COVID, I think they can take advantage of that secondary. Um, the spreads at six and a half. I like Tampa to win outright. But I think the Eagles keep it close. I think they cover that number at six and a half. You think so? You think it's going to be a close game, huh? I think so, just because of how bad that secondary is. Like, this is going to, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be, you know, Jalen Hurts wise, like passing proficiency, air quote proficiency. Um, I think it's going to be kind of close to what he did against the Atlanta Falcons, where we thought like the Eagles were legit and Jalen Hurts really rounded the corner and, and started taking a step forward as a quarterback. Um, I think. You know, he is going to be able to run. I think this is going to be really the first true test as for a mobile quarterback against this front four for the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I, I think they keep it within the number. I think they keep it close. Again, I like Tampa Bay to win outright, but I think Tampa Bay, um, I think Philadelphia covers the six and a half. Yeah, man, listen, I think the Buccaneers are going to win this game. But I think this could be a like complete blowout. This could be a Dolphins esque forty five like twenty four kind of blowout, and and we all know it. I mean, I don't know why we keep you know down the man. There's still some doubters out there, but Tom Brady, the guy is unreal. I mean, like the main story going into five into five weeks so far is that Tom Brady is is potentially going to be the MVP this year, which is insane for a forty or forty four year old quarterback. At the end of the day, uh, with seventy three percent completion against the Finns, four hundred eleven yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know, overall for the season, 1,700 yards, 
15 touchdowns, which is second in the NFL. Um, on top of that, you know, he just looks healthy, man. The arm looks good. The, the knee seems to be better than ever. Um, you know, they actually have him moving out of the pocket and making some throws, which is something I haven't seen him do in quite a long time. So they really have a lot of trust uh, in that knee and then getting him on the move now. On the other end, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, right? You know, Jalen Hurts, the Eagles ended up beating the Panthers 21-18 in a thrilling finish this past weekend. But for the most part, the, the Panthers kind of like outplayed them the whole game. And then like towards the end, they just threw up all over themselves and Sam Darnold had a horrific uh, second half and that's why the Eagles got back into it. But at the moment, I do stand a little disappointed in Jalen Hurts in that Eagles offense. I mean, I thought he was going to take that next step. I thought he was going to be really, you know, ascending into that uh, that second level tier of quarterback, but he hasn't done that yet. He ended the game with 192 yards and two rushing touchdowns. And the one key thing is, though, Devontae Smith seems to be uh, getting some traction as an NFL wide receiver. He ended the day with seven catches and 77 yards, and it seems that he has a good rapport with Hurts. But for the moment, man, like I am a little bit on the disappointed side with the Eagles and who they are so far through five weeks. And that's why I think the Buccaneers are going to go in there and absolutely steamroll um, the uh, the Eagles. But you know, the question that I want to pose to you is, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the defense and how bad that is, you know, obviously they have their issues with the um, the secondary, but it's also the the front seven is not getting enough pressure, right? I mean, there's the old adage that if you have a weak secondary, you can make up for that with a with a really good pass rush, but the pass rush isn't that good either. So, do you think this Bucks defense can work its way back into being a potential championship, you know, level defense? I think so. I think it's I think it's very possible. I mean, I believe Jason Pierre-Paul missed last week's game with a shoulder injury. I think he might have missed the last two games, to be honest with you. And, I mean, Levante David's going to miss. That's a huge loss. And it's just everybody's been like the walking wounded on that defense. And I, I think they're going to be able to weather the storm for a bit. I mean, if you look at the Buccaneers' schedule the rest of the way, I mean, it is – pretty cupcake it's not not, nothing Mm -hmm. really stands out to you as like oh this is going to be a really hard matchup moving forward so i think if they can weather the storm they get you know they get a couple of people um off of ir and and everybody gets healthy i I think i think they're going to be in a good spot and you know the offense is going to be able to cover up a lot of deficiencies um so i i I do have faith that todd bowles is going to get this band in 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 quick order and and it's going to be back to championship caliber defense moving forward. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think you bring a good point with the schedule because the schedule, this is what it is for the rest of the year. Eagles, Bears, Saints, Washington football team, the New York Giants, the Indianapolis Colts, the yep. Falcons. The real big test is going to be that Bills game, but that's on December 12th in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, so a, a Colt team going down to Florida might be an issue. Then you've got the Saints, the Panthers, the Jets, and the Panthers. Like, like this team could be fifteen and two when this is all said and done. The, right. only, the only team that you know, the only uh, team that scares me on the schedule is the Bills. Um, and then on top of that, I'll give them one more loss just because they they didn't show up that day. But for the most part, I don't see them losing many games for the rest of the season. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I guess if you one could make an argument, maybe like the you know the Bears could. Mm-hmm. Like, if you wanted to throw a second team in there after the Buffalo Bills. Oh, no, but, Brady's not going to let that happen. You saw what like, last year with the Bears and the fourth down and everything. He's not going to let that happen. Right. So, like, it's really like the like the Bills and I think it's going to be the Panthers. The Panthers three uh, twice in the last three weeks of the season is probably where they're going to trip up. Right. That, but then it gets back to the point of, like, is Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey going to be healthy? Like, he he's 
kind of day-to-day at the moment. Like, they think he has an outside chance of playing this week. But, I mean, he just he's gotten banged up the last couple of years. They're not really small injuries either. So, I mean, who knows, man, especially with, like, soft tissue injuries for running backs. Like, that thing could flare up. He might miss. And, I mean, we saw what Sam Darnold looks like without Christian McCaffrey. Like, he kind of looks like what he did with the New York Jets with Adam Gase. So, maybe it wasn't all Adam Gase. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, all right, well, that's all I got for this one. You move on to the, uh, the next game. Yeah, let's roll. All right, next up, we've got the 4-1 and one Dallas Cowboys taking on the 2-3 and three New England Patriots. Uh, this is America's team versus the previous America's team, and I'll, let, I'll leave it up for vague interpretation of who those teams are. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, so, Puma, who do you got winning this game, man? I got it. Man, I never thought I'd live to say this, but... How about them Cowboys? <laughs> I'm going with Dallas. I mean, Dallas, they opened up uh, against the, the New England Patriots. This is all the odds are from DraftKings Sportsbook, the unofficial official sportsbook of the Pro Football Radio Podcast. They opened up as a four-point favorite. The over-under opened up at 49 and a half. The, uh, the, the spread got knocked down a point. They're now Dallas is now a three-point favorite, but that uh, over-under shot up from 49 and a half to 51. So... Somebody's really betting the over in this game, but I like Dallas in the spot. I mean, we, you know, Dak Prescott, not only is he having a, a comeback player of the year type of, you know, season considering the, uh, the horrific injury he had last year, but he's playing at an MVP caliber level. And I, I didn't think he was really going to do that, <clears throat> you know, coming off of that, uh, that horrific leg injury last year, but he's balling out. I mean, they have a one, two punch with Tony Pollard and, and uh, Zeke Elliott coming out of the backfield uh, New England is kind of middle of the pack against the rush, but I think this is kind of going to be the most dynamic rushing attack that they face so far. So this is going to be a true test for the New England Patriots. Um, I, I really like what the defense has done. Now, granted, the offense putting up the points and you know the defense getting like the key takeaways is really covering up the fact that Dallas is still towards the bottom end of the league in pass defense. I think they're giving up the most yards. Uh, per attempt on pass plays but you know they, it gets masked up pretty well when uh, Trayvon Diggs is coming up with an, an interception almost every game at this point mm-hmm. uh, but I, I really do give credit for Dan Quinn trying to right the ship I, I you know I kind of buried Dan Quinn at the beginning of the season uh, on our you know first uh, episode of the podcast for week one of the NFL season and he's really done a great job it's been commendable um, I like Dallas in this spot uh, Jay, you can speak a little bit more to the New England side. Uh, I think oh, it was a mix. Uh, it's better to win ugly than to lose pretty. You know, mm. we can all agree to that. <laughs> but let's be honest. If it w- if there was a competent coach with the headset mm-hmm. on in, mm-hmm. in Houston, there's no way they get back in that game. Like, they're, even with the rookie quarterback in Davis Mills, who really handed Bill his lunch for, like, the first time in a long time for a rookie quarterback going up against – Bill Belichick. I think he's the second person, a uh, second rookie quarterback to throw three touchdowns in a game against Bill. The the first one to do so was uh, Russell Wilson, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, if David, if if Callie, the head coach for Houston, comes up with a, a, a little bit more logical game management, like not doing a zero yard punt and not doing like a a, a horrid kick, field goal kicking attempt with the kickers that's been in the bottom of the league in accuracy, they're, they're going to win that game last week. But I'll leave the New England side for you. I have Dallas winning this game. They're going to cover the three. I lean, man, 51. 
I I'm I feel like that's right. I, I think I'm going to take the under in that, but I'm just going to bet the spread on this one. I like Dallas laying the three points. Akuma, you're right, man. So the Patriots ended up beating the Texans 25-22 last week, but the main storyline has to be the fact that they were down 22-9 at one point, and it was only after the Texans started self-destructing is when the Patriots got back into the game, right? Um, there's When you start confronting the fact that this Patriots team is just bad. And I was I came to this realization on watching this game and the fact that we're struggling trying to beat the Texans and they're a bad team. And it hit, it hit me very quickly that this is just two bad football teams that are playing on the field right now. And for the Patriots, the most disappointing thing is, man, they just keep making the same dumb mistakes over and over and over again. This mm. is five weeks in. We're going to the sixth week and the defense looks horrid. The, the, the running backs can't hold on to the football. Um, the offensive line did play better, but you know, for the most part, I don't think they've been that impressive this year. On top of that, the coaching itself wasn't that great, man. And and what you're seeing now is the biggest reason why this team is having troubles is this defense is old, slow, and the younger players aren't producing like we thought they would. Like, you know, we all we all think like players like Duggar are supposed to be panning out, um, Uche, you know, Winovich, all those guys are just not panning out, and this roster is bad because of that. And that's the bigger point that I've been trying to make for a couple years now, that Bill Belichick and his drafting is just getting progressively worse. Like, I mean, think about it for a second. Like, you know, Isaiah Wynn sucks, Nikhil Harry sucks, Kyle Duggar, who I think wasn't, I wasn't high on him, but he's also showing some flashes of sucking as well. Um, Sony sucked and he got, you know, uh, shipped out. Like, can we point to a young player on this team that actually shows promise? Like, what, Mac Jones? Like, is that the one guy that we can point to? And even he, we'll talk about it, we'll talk about him in a second. Even he's only five weeks in, and we still don't know what he's going to be. So you're really starting to see the lack of good drafting really come to bite us, um, uh, you know, in the ass right now, hardcore. And they try to obviously supplement that with a bunch of, a bunch of free agency moves this offseason, and it's just not working out, man. Yeah, and, you know, I think... I'm not trying to, like, bury Pats fans because I, I don't have, like, a, a, a dog in the fight. Like, I, I really don't give two shits about New England. I, I kind of enjoy the the fall of the Pats, you know, as a as a Dolphins fan. Like, I'm just full of schadenfreude. But it's, it's kind of – and, Jay, I talked to you about this offline. Like, it's a bit nauseating at the praise that Mac Jones is getting – over shit you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you might yeah. as well just get, you know, put him in Canton for tying his shoes correctly. It's well, like, to dude, that point, to that point, I want to make this point because everybody brings up the, the fact that he has a high completion percentage, and I understand that. Like, he's overall, I think he's sixth overall in completion percentage. But the rest of his stats, all the rest of his stats, QBR, QB rating, all down in the bottom third. 26, 25, it's in that range. And and I do believe that completion percentage is a little bit on the overrated side. Um, we saw Monday Night Football, Lamar Jackson went, uh, what was it, uh, four, 86% completion on mm-hmm. 37 to 42 passes. And he is one of the worst passers I've seen in the league over the last five years. Like, I'm not trying to, like, you know, put down Lamar here. The guy can make up with it with his athletic ability. But, I mean, you can just see how overrated that completion stat is because of how quickly he's getting the ball out of his hand, 370 yards, and that's about it. And, you know, yeah. at, the, at this point, we have seen him get got his feet wet for the first five weeks of the season. But I need to start seeing the second third of the season 
some more playmaking ability out of him, right? He needs to elevate the offense a little bit more, push the ball downfield. You know, I've, I've noticed he's very comfortable with the play action where essentially he has a one-two read. And usually when you do play action, the linebackers suck up and there's a, there's a hole in the middle there of the field where you can throw a good ball in. But, you know, whenever they ask him to spread it out, and he's got throwing these tight windows. That's when you can seriously see his physical limitations uh, is trying to throw in those tight windows. Yep. Talk about it. And I mean, I, I still go back to we checked down on a flea flicker. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave yeah. it at that. Well, that, that's my biggest concern, though, right? Is like no matter how much Mac Jones improves, like, listen, he's already had a great baseline and it's still too early to bury this kid. And I'm going to give him another three, four weeks uh, before I start making some like hard, you know, opinions on, on who he is in the NFL. But no matter how much he improves, he'll never be an elite quarterback in the in the NFL due to his physical limitations, right? Think about th- not 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 the whole NFL. Just think about the quarterbacks in the AFC that he'll never suppress. You got Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, Baker, Deshaun Watson, who could be on the Houston Texans or the Miami Dolphins, still an AFC team. Like we're seven players in, and there's a couple I'm missing right now, and we still. Cannot ever see Mac Jones game plan level suppressing those guys. Mm-hmm. And this and this week is gonna be big for him because Dan Quinn runs that cover three scheme right. Um, obviously the scheme they run up in uh, Seattle as well. And I do expect the the pass to be able to move the ball efficiently versus the scheme. Um, there's not much to it. It's cover three, no pressure. Um, you really gotta account for for Michael Parsons and and Diggs, but he's gonna have to score thirty points this week to beat the Cowboys, right? Like 30 points is a new 24 points, 25 points in this modern NFL, but you're not going to be able to win this game or even have a chance of winning this game if you don't get the 30s. And and at the moment, I mean, I just don't see that out of this out of this offense. Yeah, no, I can buy that. I mean, we can all say, all right, the, the tight ends and the wide receivers, they, they've been dropping balls and stuff. At, at some point, you, you are going to have to execute. So... So I have Dallas in this game, Jay. Are, are you back in Dallas yeah. too? Or? No, yeah, I'm, I'm back in Dallas too, man. I just don't see any way uh, the, the Patriots are going to be able to win this game. Um, I could be su- pleasantly surprised, and I'll be more than happy to come in here uh, next week and say that I was, I was wrong. But I just absolutely see no way how that we can beat this, uh, this Dallas team. It, it's just not the fact that they're good offensively. They're good defensively as well. I mean, like, I, I, I hate to be that person, but I think these Cowboys might be for real, you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> and it's, and I, Oh, I'm going to bet them. I'm going to bet them this yeah. week. And I, I, yeah. I can't believe it, especially after like last year when I tried to, you know, back the Dallas Cowboys and it just blew up in my face every time. But I'm going well, back to the well with the Cowboys. Well, when I when I try to, you know, essentially pick a team uh, in these uh, on, the, on the weekly podcast, I, I look at both teams and I try to see where do we have the advantage. And truthfully, bro, truthfully, I can't think of one position group. Oh, you know what? I take it back. I do think our tight ends combined. Uh, Henry and Smith are better than Schultz. But other than that, think about it. The running backs, obviously Zeke and Tony Pollard are better than anything we have. The wide receiver room, CD, um, Amari, uh, what's the third guy? Michael Gallup. I will take those guys in and a even C- What was it, Cedric Wilson? Mm-hmm. Like the fourth mm-hmm. guy? Like he's found pay dirt a couple of times over the last two or three weeks too. So Offensive line, we've well documented the offensive line issues with the Patriots and I will take the Cowboys offensive line in a heartbeat. Quarterback, um, Keep it in your pants, New England. You know, Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Mac Jones, so chill out with that. On the defensive side, um, what? <laughs> Are you going to take Trevon Diggs over what we have in our secondary? Like Mika Parsons? I mean, maybe Mika Parsons and Judon. That could be a toss-up, but I don't know, man. Like, if you look at these, like, um, you know, 
of all the position groups, I can really point to one, and that's the tight ends being better for the New England Patriots. So with that being said, you know, I'm gonna have to take the Patriots. I'm gonna have to take the Cowboys here, man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's unless, go. unless, unless the genius that is Bill Belichick is just so far superior to uh, what's his fucking face, Mike McCarthy, that he's gonna be able to over overcome all of that. I mean, uh, if you if you hack this emails, you you probably would have found out the game plan. Oh, uh, Puma. Puma, I was looking at that the other night. You know how sometimes you fantasize about things, right? You yeah. know, sometimes you fantasize about, I don't know, a good burger, right? Or or, uh, <laughs> or for you, like a good, I guess, good glass of whiskey, right? Yeah. Man, I was just sitting there. I watched that John Gordon news, and I was like, dude, imagine if that was Bill Belichick's emails. Because, you know. <laughs> with, Bill with him, oh, I was fantasizing, man. I was just like, I was having the greatest, like, 30 seconds of my life. Because uh, because you know the, that was the only time you were praying he was buddy buddy with Bruce <laughs> Allen. Because <laughs> you know he's sixty years old. I mean the guy's a he's not a nice person from what we see. You can only imagine the fucked up things he says and say says in the in the background. But listen, we're not we're gonna get into that. That that is what it is. We're, uh, it's fine. It's fine, you know. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right, Dallas. How about them Cowboys? Let's go. Uh, let's move on to the uh, four and one uh, Los Angeles Chargers taking on the. Uh, Four and one Baltimore Ravens in what really seems to be a clash of uh, potential number one AFC seeds. So Puma, who do you got winning this game? Dude, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Baltimore, man. Like they showed really? me. They showed me a lot uh, in that comeback against uh, against Indianapolis. And granted, like you know, one can make an argument. Yeah, the comeback came uh, after basically everybody in the Indianapolis secondary was knocked out of the mm. game. But the fact of the matter is, is Lamar had to throw this team back into the game, and he did it. I mean, again, you know, completion percentage aside, like the dude was hitting on like eighty percent of his throws. All the touchdowns were through the air. Like it's, he did his job. He, we saw. To me, I saw him throw a team back into the game, and and they went to overtime. They went to the limit, and they won. Granted, the secondary was bad for Indy. And the kicking game for Indy was atrocious because of Rodrigo Blankenship's hip injury. But, I mean, the Chargers, listen, they, they are a, a, a top five defense. I'll even go top three. Uh, they're, they're the fastest defense I've probably seen outside of the Buffalo Bills just for the eye test. But they can be beaten on the ground. Uh, they they are 29th versus the rush. And I, I think Baltimore is going to run wild with not just Lamar, but you know, Devonta Freeman, and then you have Latavius Murray, who is no slouch. And, you know, maybe Tyson Williams, maybe he'll actually get some run in this game. He really has been nowhere to be found since week one uh, when he kind of went off against the, the Las Vegas Raiders. But I do like Baltimore in this game. I think uh, I think the Chargers, you know, Jay, you're probably going to hit on the Chargers a lot more. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they went, they went toe-to-toe with the Browns, and I think that was a, a game of the week last week, too. This has the potential to be game of the week and probably maybe game of the year. I mean, this is a this is going yeah. to be like, be you know, 1A, B, and C with the Bills, char- Chargers, and, and Ravens for, you know, supremacy in the AFC. Uh, Baltimore is laying three and a half points at home against the Chargers. The over-under is 51. Um, I, like I said, I like Baltimore to win. I think they're going to cover the three and a half. Um, if it got down to like three, I'd look at the Chargers from a betting perspective, but give me the three and a half. Um, and uh, I like, uh, I kind of like the over in this game. So yeah, give me, uh, give me Baltimore. Give me the over in the game. Okay. okay no, I'm sorry. The over under actually changes two and a half. I believe I, they they actually updated. Yeah, Baltimore's lane two and a half. Yeah, 
All right, so before I answer, let me ask you a question. And uh, obviously, Puma, I always like to come to you because sometimes I know I get a little out there, and I, I always feel like you're my you're like my rock. You kind of bring me you kind of bring me back into to you know some common sense. So, okay. would it be crazy for me to say that right now, five games in, Justin Herbert is playing at an elite level? No, I don't think so. Like top, I don't think so at all. Top five elite level quarterback right now. I could buy that. All right. And then also, Brandon Staley is my coach of the year so far. I could buy that too. All right. So I'm not being crazy. Okay. I like that. <laughs> no, I mean, look at, I mean, the, the guy's got, the guy's got a set of balls on him, like Stan Marsh's dad with the wheelbarrow. I mean, he's going for it mm-hmm. on every fourth down. He completely trusts his quarterback in this offense. Justin Herbert is balling out. I think he's, it's almost like he's averaging five touchdowns a game. Like the dude, dude is unreal. airing it out. It's, it's unreal. unreal. And it's not like little dink and dunks, like death by a thousand razor blades, Alex Smith style. Yeah. The guy is unloading a howitzer every time he's throwing the football around the field. So yeah, I uh, I, I I could buy that. Like All top right. five elite quarterback right now, absolutely. Well, a lot of a lot of how the Chargers view Justin Herbert can be sh- can be shown through how they play call. Right, you're going for it on fourth and nine in Arrowhead, like late in the game fourth and nine like who does that and you don't have to go for it on fourth down and he threw a strike like he throws the ball into somebody's chest and it pushes them back three yards they're Mm -hmm. going for a fourth and two the other night against the browns so i mean you just hit on the the Chargers, just beat the browns in an epic 47 42 showdown like so far that was the game of the year i mean i was watching that seesawing back and forth it was absolutely insane and you know we already hit on it but Chester Herbert is playing at an unreal level so far he ended the day with 398 yards and five touchdowns but the concerning thing for me is the Chargers' defense got absolutely gashed all day by the Browns, man. Like, they mm-hmm. gave up 534, 532 yards and 42 points. And if I'm the Ravens, I should be taking a page out of the Browns' playbook on what they did against that defense because the the, the Chargers gave up 250 rushing yards to the Browns. I can only imagine the Ravens are watching that and are just salivating at the fact that they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground that successfully as well. We can all agree the, the calling card or the, the main staple identity of the Ravens offense is obviously running the ball, so I am sure they're going to have a lot of success running the ball. Now, the Chargers, on the other hand, need to take away Mark Andrews, who seems to be becoming the safety blanket for Lamar Jackson, right? Uh, he mm. ended the game with 11 receptions, uh, the Colts game with 11 receptions, 142 yards and two touchdowns. And I think you hit it on the head here, Puma, that this is a big-time game for both teams because a lot of, like, you know, we're only five games in, but it's time to start looking at the playoff picture. It's time to start thinking about some of those tiebreakers. Let's say both these teams are at that 14-3, and three, you know, record-wise late in the year, but that, you know, that tiebreaker and winning uh, is going to be the key here. So it's early, and I think both teams need to understand the severity of this game and bring the, bring the energy. At the end of the day, I am not going to go against my boy, Justin Herbert. The man is just absolutely crushing it right now. In my MVP race, I got Tom Brady. Close second is um, Josh Allen, but then a close third is Justin Herbert. So I think that guy is playing out of his mind right now, and I am just going to take him to go in there and win a fairly decent high-scoring game. We're going to call it like a 35-32 kind of win for the Chargers. All right. All right. I could, I could buy that. Now, are you are you so obviously we were starting to see the supremacy kind of pan out in the AFC. We've got the 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 Bills, the Chargers. I know the the Ravens are four and one, and they've had some big wins against obviously the the, the Chiefs and obviously the Colts the other night. Do you buy them as a real potential contender for for the championship, or are they just a really good team that probably won't be able to make it to the Super Bowl? 
I buy I buy them as a contender. <clears throat> this defense this defense still needs a, a, a decent amount of work. Um, they can be beaten on the ground. They they I think they've uh, we saw what they they did with uh, against Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor went wild. I mean, they 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 have to shore up that defense. Um, Lamar, listen again. He threw the team back into the game, but. He really does just have eyes for Mark Andrews. There are a couple of plays where Marquise Brown is wide open in the end zone, and he's not even looking his way. So, like, mm-hmm. if I'm Marquise, I'm going to be getting a little bit upset too. Like, he needs to take an- another step forward, work through his progressions a little bit. But, like, I saw enough to really stop questioning, like, the passing ability. Like, the kid threw them from mm-hmm. a huge hole into uh, winning in overtime. But I do think I do think they're a contender. I think they're a top three team in the uh, in the AFC at the moment. Okay, okay, cool, cool. All right, let's move on to the 5-0 and Cardinals, uh, who are coming off of a little bit of a slugfest win, uh, barely being the 49ers uh, 17-10 um, with the, uh, against the 3-2 and Cleveland Browns. Uh, so, Puma, who do you got winning this game? I like Cleveland. I like Cleveland in the spot. I mean, if you look at the, 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 the game that the Cardinals had last week against the San Francisco 49ers, like offensive output wise, it was probably like their, you know, air quote, worst showing. It was Kyler Murray's probably worst performance so far of the year. Uh, 22 of 31, 239 yards, uh, one touchdown. Uh, so really not that great, you know, not that big of a lighting up of the stat sheet type of situation here. Um, Chandler Jones, he's on the uh, the COVID list. He actually tested positive, so he's more than likely going to miss this game. I'm not sure if he's vaccinated or not. Um, if he is, he'll, he'll be eligible if he uh, is asymptomatic and he gets you know two negative COVID tests within 24 hours. But if he's not vaccinated, he's going to be out for 10 days, and he, he stands no chance of playing this game. But, you know, Cleveland, man, like, you want to talk about, like, bad luck this year? Like, they were so close to beating the Chiefs. It didn't happen. They were right there with the Browns, and you know the, it was a bad week for referees last week. And there was a there was a pretty blatant PI call that I think either wasn't called or they called it on the Browns, and really the Browns were being victimized by the Chargers on that play. But I mean, I just I like what they I like what the Browns have going on. The Arizona Cardinals they are towards the bottom of you know rush defense, and losing Chandler Jones is going to be a massive hole. Um, you know. Baker Mayfield, like we were talking about in the pod last week, like there were questions about whether or not he was going to be a liability against the Chargers last week. And he wasn't a liability at all. And I think that's going to continue against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, right now, the Browns, they're a three-point favorite. The over-under is, oh, God, it actually came down. It opened at 50. It's down to 49.5. I like the Browns laying three points at home. I think they're going to win. And I, I think Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they're going to run wild. Uh, on this uh, on this Arizona Cardinals uh, defense right here. <clears throat> so uh, let's talk about Baker real quick because while I don't think he's a liability, I do think he's been very mediocre this season so far. And you brought the fact that they didn't have any luck, as you put it, against the the Chargers and the Chiefs. But the way I'm the way I'm sitting from Puma, they had ten point leads in the fourth quarter of those mm-hmm. games. Like that that's key here. And, and I think when we start looking at Baker Mayfield and who he is, right. His stats are fairly average for five games in. He's at, what, 1,200 yards, four touchdowns in five games, uh, two interceptions. Um, and it seems as if, when I was watching that game against the Chargers, it seems as if Kevin Stefanski and that coaching staff doesn't trust Baker as much as they should. Like, you see another guy, you see a guy across the field in the Chargers game with Justin Herbert, and they're fourth and nine, they're going for it, right? They trust the guy completely. On the other end, it was 3rd and 10 with 2.30 left in the game. A critical call is coming up, 
and decide to hand it off. Uh, I think that kind of speaks volumes into what that coaching staff, you know, kind of sees in Baker Mayfield. Listen, I think Baker Mayfield can win when everything is fine. Like when everything is fine, you're up by 10, you're running the ball efficiently, everybody's healthy. I'm sure he can win. But I think, you know, when the whole stadium knows you've got to throw and it's your time to actually pull the team through to a win, I think that's when he falters. And we're starting to see that pattern show itself, The you know, those two losses we've seen so far for for the Browns. I could buy that. I also think of it this way too, and I was kind of look at the schedule. Like this, this offense is based on Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So, like you know, I guess you could say, yeah, Baker Mayfield is a, is like a game manager type of quarterback in the system. But I mean, the we've seen him unload a howitzer of an arm. I I do. I have a little bit more faith in Baker than 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 you and Burge at this point. But I think. I think he's going to be just fine. Again, they did piss away like 10-point leads in those those two games, but I, I, I got faith in Cleveland. I think Cleveland is is also a contender in the AFC as well, and I never thought I'd live to see the day. I think that, for, as a matter of fact, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are a contender mm-hmm. for the playoffs mm-hmm. this year. Like, mm-hmm. you want to talk about pleasant surprises, the AFC North might be possibly, like, the best division in football at this point. Like, it'd be like... AFC West and then AFC North, in my opinion. And, you know, I guess you could kind of flip-flop depending on how your views are, but I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. But, like, yeah, the, like the Browns, the Bengals, and the, the Ravens, I could see potentially all three of those guys going to the playoffs this year. Yeah, and I picked the Cleveland Browns to win this game only because I do think they're more desperate um, for this win than the Cardinals are because, like, Let's be real. This is a little bit of a must win for the Browns if they want to stay in the hunt of the AFC elite teams. Like if you start mm-hmm. to get to three and three, like that's a lot different than let's say the Ravens getting to five and one and the Chargers are five and one. And we all know Kansas City is going to come rolling back in the second half of the season. So I think this is a little bit of a must win. And the way I see it panning out is I think the Cardinals offensive line is going to be the downfall for, for the Cardinals. They have allowed 10 sacks already through five games and that's tied for 14th in the league. And obviously, the strength of the Browns is Miles Garrett and Clowney and that front seven getting pressure on the quarterback. At the moment, Cleveland's D has has had 43 quarterback hits, which is first, and 16 sacks overall, which is third. So 43 quarterback hits, I feel like they're going to get after Kyler Murray. They're going to put pressure on him all day. And I think eventually their running attack is going gonna, is gonna, to um, help, help the Cleveland Browns win that game. So I think we're going to be somewhere in the realm of like a 27-21 kind of win uh, for the Cleveland Browns. So before we go to the final game of the slate, like the Arizona Cardinals, if they beat the Browns this week, what what are your thoughts of them as a playoff contender? Do you think they're legit? Like, because I know we saw this last year where Uh they came out of the gates fast and then, yeah, Kyler Murray, he dinged up his shoulder. I think it was against the Giants, if I recall correctly, and the wheels fell off the bus the rest of the season. Like, if they beat the the Browns, do you think – yourself and like the rest of the NFL universe is going to start buying a little bit more into the Arizona Cardinals being six and oh, or, or do they still need to see more? Yeah, listen, I'm going to start buying into them this weekend. If they win, like I, just like you said, nail on the head there, bro. I still have that, you know, last, I got PTSD from mind. last year. Exactly. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, Seriously, listen, Kyler Murray's not a big dude. He's a small dude. Like, I just have fear that Miles Garrett is going to come bearing down on him, toss him around like a rag doll. He's going to hurt something again, and then the wheels are going to fall off. So I think a lot of this comes down to the health of Kyler Murray. 
And I do believe A.J. Green is the key here. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is who he is. But if they can find that second wide receiver that's going to be able to consistently perform for uh, for Kyler Murray and that uh, Cardinals offense, I think that is going to be the what's going to set them apart from uh, from being what they were last year. But listen, if they win this weekend, I'm buying in. I think they, they're going to be legit because, you know what, you have to beat let's look at the rest of the schedule. you got the Texans. That's going to be an easy win. Packers, that's going to be an interesting game. 49ers, you already beat them once. Panthers, Seahawks have issues. Don't know if Russell Wilson is going to be back by then. Um, Bears might be an easy win. Uh, Rams is the one that's going to be a little bit of a tough issue, but they already annihilated them. Lions, Colts. I mean, there's some fairly easy wins for them coming up here soon, man. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. If they, if they be If they take care of business against Cleveland, then, yeah, I, I will start buying in for the Arizona Cardinals moving forward as a contender in the NFC. Yeah. All right, and then finally, the uh, 4-1 Buffalo Bills coming off of an absolute beautiful beatdown of the Kansas City Chiefs, 38-20 on Sunday Night Football, are going to be taking on the 2-3 and three Tennessee Titans, who just beat the Jaguars 37-19. But before all of that, Puma, before we get into the game, can we stop with the Josh Allen Buffalo Bills are going to regress narrative? Like, let's Talk just be it. grown-ups here for a second. Talk about like, it. Seriously, like, at some point, you've got to give in. I mean, Greg Bedard, who is by far one of the biggest ass clowns on Boston Radio, went on went on, on uh, Boston Radio yesterday and said he thinks that Matt Jones is a franchise quarterback, but also said that Josh Allen isn't a franchise quarterback. Like, what are we talking about here? The man just beat the Kansas City Chiefs in a in a beatdown on Sunday Night Football, and you still don't want to give him his props? Like, I don't understand why people are afraid to say they were wrong. Listen, I was wrong by Josh Allen. I thought he was horrible the first two years. Puma, you remember that, right? You remember me coming on Oh, yeah, on here you were burying every... him. I was the lone defender in the Alamo for Josh Allen. <laughs> I would come on here every week and point out every errant throw, a little bit on the unfair side as well. But the man just kept plowing. He just kept moving forward. And now he's playing at MVP level. And I said earlier, he is my MVP right behind Tom Brady, number one, number two. But we've got to be adults here. We've got to see for what it is. Right now, the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC or in the NFL in general, actually. I'll take that back because I was thinking about this the other night. Who is my best team in the NFL? It was down to the Buffalo Bills and the Chargers, the Cardinals, and the Buccaneers. And I gave uh, the Buccaneers the, the uh, obviously, the, um, what you call it? Uh, I'm sorry, I was thinking about the AFC. So when I was thinking about the AFC, it was the Buffalo Bills and the Chargers. And the reason why I gave the Buffalo Bills the edge was because of their power experience in uh, in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. let's just be adults. Let's let's just say you're wrong. Let's, you know, essentially come to the grips that Josh Allen and the Bills are going to be here for a while to stay. Oh, dude, they, they are going to be here for a while. And... And, you know, Jay, we were talking about this during the game on Sunday. And, you know, refereeing aside, they were horrid on both sides of the football. But that last drive where Josh Allen basically mm-hmm. hurtled over a defender, that was – and you, you hit the nail on the head when we were talking about it during the game. That was a steal-your-soul type of drive. Like, that play happened – I've seen that. I've seen that look – for 20 years straight. Travis Kelsey's face like mm-hmm. looked like Apollo Creed in Rocky 1 at the, that scene round 14 where he thought he had Rocky on the ropes. He knocked him down. He thought he won. And Rocky just got up and Apollo's face, like he just lost his soul. And that is what the Kansas City Chiefs and Travis Kelsey looked like. And you hit the nail on the head. That was a soul-snatching drive on Sunday. Puma, for 20 years, I've seen... 
you know, not these patriots, but the vaunted New England patriots are going to come into your city, take your will, steamroll over you by 40 points. I've seen that, and I've seen that look on Travis Kelsey's face for 20 years. So when I see it, like, I know what it is. Like, he knows he was defeated. He couldn't believe what was happening. Because you know how the Chiefs are a very cocky, arrogant team. They think they're just going to roll the helmets out there and throw 50 points, and it's not going to matter. But in that moment, he knew deep down, oh, my God, we are fucked so bad. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, I was on the pod when we were doing the way too early predictions. I took the Chargers to win the AFC, and I also said, like, that the, the Chiefs are going to be for a rude awakening. Like, they're going to be resting on their laurels. And it's, it's been kind of the case right now through five weeks. Like, this Chiefs defense is absolutely a dumpster fire. And, yeah, they I, I'll give you this. Like, they missed Chris Jones last week. Completely understand that. But the fact of the matter is, is that the Buffalo Bills took care of the defending AFC conference champions that went to the Super Bowl last year on both sides of the football. That defense, they did not need to blitz at all because they were rushing for Gregory Rousseau, could potentially be, in my opinion, a dark horse candidate for defensive player of the year. He was wreaking havoc all over the place. He's been popping on the film all five weeks of the NFL season so far. And to to get to the you know the Monday night football game, you know, the Bills Tennessee Titans matchup, that could also be slated as a revenge type narrative because you remember last year, like this came this game kept getting moved because the Tennessee Titans had an outbreak of COVID. They ended up playing on a Tuesday. Buffalo came out flat. Everyone was burying Josh Allen, the Tennessee Titans. Again, I was the only person in the Alamo defending them at that point. I was burying and, them. Yeah. And uh and I think I think Buffalo, I think they're going to take care of business. On paper, this could potentially be a letdown spot for the Buffalo Bills just because of all the adrenaline and energy and emotions being invested in finally taking down the Kansas City Chiefs. I think it actually helps the Buffalo Bills that they're playing on prime time because it's not going to be potentially as bad as a letdown. Um, I, I like the Bills in this game. I, like Both sides of football, they are firing on all cylinders. Josh Allen is a savage uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a great complimentary piece to Stephon Diggs. Um, Zach Moss used to be taking over the lead running back role a little bit, gradually at a time. Dawson Knox, in my opinion, is a, a top five tight end this year. Uh, really a pleasant surprise con- considering the path he took to get to the NFL from Ole Miss. And the Tennessee Titans, man, like for years this defense has been bad, but like they've been buoyed because of Derrick Henry running the football. But, I mean, you look, like, the, the explosive plays downfield, they just aren't there right now. And, like, A.J. Brown, to me, when it comes to, to, like, you know, explosive plays down the field, seems to have taken a little bit of a step back. And I don't know if that's just because of, like, game script or they're just not on the same page. Or, you know, they were trying to work in Julio Jones this year, who's missed the last couple of games with a hamstring injury. Um, I, I think this is... I think Buffalo is going to win this game. The over-under is at 54. I'm not really going to touch that. Uh, I do like Buffalo laying the five and a half points just because of how bad the Tennessee Titans defense has been all year. As a matter of fact, since last year, this defense has been horrid also. So I like Buffalo in this spot. I think they win. I think they cover the five and a half. Yeah, man, listen, I don't think this is going to be a close matchup. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to steamroll the Titans. Listen, at the end of the day, the Buffalo Bills have the number one offense and the number one defense. That's that's the true hallmark of a great team. It's not like, oh, they're missing this sector, you know, they're fine, blah, blah. No, they're number one on offense, they're number one defense, they're playing really good football. But what I want to talk about is, 
What's up with this Julio Jones situation with the Titans? And obviously, on its face value, it's a soft tissue injury with the hamstring, right? But Julio Jones is one of the um, best conditioned athletes, right? This guy is a 24-7, 365 a day, uh, 365 a day year cycle of uh, physical fitness. And I just don't buy the fact that he's working through a hamstring. Am I being a little uh, conspiracy theorist here where I think there might be a little bit of a rub between him and uh, Vrabel? Obviously, we all saw the the comments he made about Julio Jones, well, week two or whatever it was. And, yeah, you know, dumb, shit. Dumb, shit, dumb shit decision. Yeah, capital, yeah. capital letters. Yeah, Vero straight up like threw him under the bus in the post game, and, and I just feel like that relationship might be a little bit rocky, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but what's your thoughts on that uh, conspiracy theory? I could see where you're coming from, considering like this is the most Julio Jones has missed in his entire NFL career, if, if I'm recalling correctly. Like the dude grinds through, he grinded through hamstring injuries with, with the Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. at times, turf toe. You name it, he was dealing with a bunch of stuff. Um, so I, I can see where you're coming from. I'm not buying the unhappy camper with the new team uh, with Mike Vrabel just yet. Um, I, I do feel like potentially we might be a blow up away from me being wrong in that respect. But like I do, I do see where you're coming from. I would put it at like, you know, a 10% chance that it is because he has not seen eye to eye with Mike Vrabel, but. Um, I, I just think he actually is working through a pretty bad hamstring injury okay. considering like his age and like, you know, did, I don't even think they've, they didn't even extend him a new contract, right? When they, when they traded for mm-hmm. him, like they had to yeah. restructure the cap to make sure he could fit on the roster, but they never, they never gave him a new contract. Am I right in recalling that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Obviously, um, We'll double check that, but uh, yeah, I think for the most part, maybe right. maybe it's like you know he's making a couple of business decisions, mm-hmm. which then again I would would bear credence to your theory. So I I can see where you're coming from. That's that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, and luckily the Titans are in a position where their division is so bad. Like, dude, it's so I, bad. I, like, it oh my so god, bad. you've got the, the the dumpster fire in in Houston with David Colley giving away giving to the Patriots. You've got the Colts, who oh my god, I don't know what's happening with those guys. And then you've got Urban Meyer down there grinding on, on you know, 14-year-olds. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's weird. It's really weird what's happening in the AFC South right now. But, dude, like, the thing with this way, too, and this is kind of like just a snapshot of how bad this division is. They The Houston Texans, when um, Tyrod Taylor comes back, and, and Cully came out and said today that when he's back up and running, it's going to be the Tyrod Taylor show. Mm-hmm. Like, they are a decent runaway from winning the AFC South. That's how mm-hmm. bad this division is. It is absolutely insane that they are still within striking well, distance of winning this division. Well, I, I, I'm I am straight up shocked that the Houston Texans came out and punched the Patriots in the mouth. Like that first half, David Cully ran circles around Bill Belichick. Like it was absolutely mind-boggling at at how badly David Cully was out coaching Bill Belichick. Obviously, in the second half, David Cully reverted back to being a trash back coach with doing things that he didn't need to do. Like he was going for he, he tried to go for a fake punt and, and the punt didn't even get blocked. It like hit off his offensive lineman. Hit the helmet. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the punt wasn't even blocked. It hit off the offensive lineman. And then he went for a 60-yard field goal and you gave the Patriots a short field. Like he just self-imploded. But this is just one game. But in one game, David Culley like outcoached Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick only won because David Culley decided for the second half not to coach at all. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, exactly. Like, I would not put it past the Texans to come back 
and essentially put a run a run together with with uh, Tyrod Taylor and you know Nick Casario is doing a hell of a job with the Texans. You know he's really made that team into his image. Like a lot of people don't know, but you know Nick Casario used to be in New England in the in the press box with the headset on, talking to McDaniel's and and Bill Belichick. He used to play quarterback in practices. Like he he's that kind of GM where he just doesn't sign papers and look over draft prospects. He's on the field. He's giving internally game plan. He's actually in practice throwing footballs around. So he is making this team in his image. And and I kind of like some of the stuff that I've seen out of these guys. Like I thought this was going to be an absolute dumpster fire. And at times it looked at it looked like it. But they've shown me more fight than I than I expect out of the Texans. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. But um, what are your thoughts of this game? You're rolling with the Bills too, Bill, right? Yeah, Buffalo Bills easily. They're going to win this game. And then looking down the line, the Buffalo Bills are going to end up in like a – 15 and 2, 14 and 3 um, kind of a schedule. Um, I, I have no faith in the Titans, truthfully. I think the Bills are just, they're just that good, man. Like, it's when you see the fact that both their defense and their offense have number one rankings throughout the whole league, that tells me a lot about who they are as an organization and where they're moving forward to. And looking at the games coming up after the Titans game, you've got the Bills, the Jaguars, the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> yep. the Colts, the Saints, like, uh, let's see, let's see, the Patriots, oh my God, the Buccaneers, that's going to be a tough game for them, the Panthers might be a sneaky tough game, the Patriots again, the Falcons, and the Jets, like, dude, they've got maybe two, three tough games left uh, for them on the schedule. Yeah, don't worry, though, they're going to crush the Dolphins, because uh, that's going to be a fucking beat down of a half. Didn't they, just, didn't they just crush the Dolphins like two weeks ago? Yep, 35 zip. And uh going to be honest, kind of expect the same result on that one. I can't wait. Some flying is that bad. I can't wait for uh, Patriots Bills Week with all these these dumbass New England bobos that just like run their mouths with the dumbest possible narratives. Like, like I'm starting to get sick and tired of it because I listen to so much Boston radio now. And like, I just cannot fathom that this week out of all weeks, people are still calling in and saying that Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills will regress. Like, at some point, you're just a hater. Like, like you're, well, no, you're just a hater. You're just dumb. Because at the essence, the essence of intelligence is to take new information and form new opinions off those off that information. These motherfuckers are still holding on to information they have from year one and year two. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just so, like, worked up about it. Like, year one and year two is what they saw, and they decided to not look at any of the rest of it, you know? Like, I yep. like I, I am absolutely stunned that Greg Bedard, uh, tr- I, I try to forward the link to you that Greg Bedard went on, on Boston Radio and said that, you know, yeah, I've seen enough to see Mac Jones as a franchise quarterback while in the same breath saying Josh Allen isn't a franchise quarterback. Like, right. what are we talking about here? Like, what are we talking about here? What are we talking so, about here, Puma? What so are we know- talking about? So I know the show that we, that you're talking about. What was what were the what were the hosts' thoughts on that? Were, were Felder and Maz buying into that Kool Aid as well too, or did they oh, try so to I, correct? I didn't see Bedard that whole. I don't see. I didn't see that whole show. I was just like seeing it in passing. Like it was like a snippet on Twitter or something. It was only like a thirty second blog or whatever. Okay. But yeah, but but no, Greg Bedard is full blown like on the Mac Jones train, and you know, like we all like I keep saying over and over again, like. It's still too early to make some sort of answer, you know, definitive stance on who Mac Jones is in the NFL. Like, you know, if like sure he hasn't sucked, but he hasn't played great either. Like the the guy can't get the ball into the end zone. Like I just right. I don't know. Like I I'm starting to get annoyed with the narrative of well, and I'm trying my hardest not to come down on Mac Jones because it truly isn't his fault. Like I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, and I don't want to hate Mac Jones for two more years. 
but it's taken a lot out of me, Puma. And I hope you can see the growth that I've shown through this process. Like, I hope you can see just how much I hated Mac Jones coming out of college and how yep. worthless of a passer I think he is. And a lot of those things are manifesting themselves. I'm sorry, they are manifesting themselves on the football field. You ask him to throw a football field past 10 yards, the defender's hands are on him. Like, that's how bad it is. Like, every single time he puts the ball past 10 yards, the defender's hands are on the footballs at an alarming rate. So, And he said it himself. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know try to come out here and say something that he didn't say himself. He went out there on national radio this, this past weekend and, and uh, this past Monday, and he said that I, I got to stop throwing the ball to the to the other team. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I'm just uh, worked up about that. Worked up about the situation. It. I, I yeah. never thought I'd live to see the day where you would be freaking fire and brimstone about Josh Allen. It's we, We've come full circle, Jay. I'm, I'm proud of you. Puma, I am dripping in integrity, okay? This is true. You're the hallmark. I, you're, I, the, you're the monument of integrity. I, I call it like I see it. A lot of people don't think that I do, but I call it like I see it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I'm proud of you, Jay. I'm proud. <laughs> you know, so. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, the second half progresses for, for Mac Jones. But, you know, they also, and, and obviously we're at the almost at the end of the show, but I want to throw this out to you real quick. Chris Casper on 98.5 Boston Radio kind of floated the idea that, you know, Mac Jones is doing okay. He's doing well for the Patriots right now. But high up in the organization, there are concerns about his limitations. And that's the only thing that he kind of heard. But he kind of took it a step further. And he, you know, this is him purely speculating. He was like, listen, like, if you put two and two together... Why wouldn't the Patriots be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes? And obviously, the, the the big caveat here is, you know, at the end of the at the end of the season, you know, the Deshaun Watson cases are all cleared up. We get some clarity on that. That's the big caveat here. But I want to pose this question to you: Like, if you're the Patriots, and you know, Mac Jones is who he is so far throughout the season, and you know, this is basically who he's going to be, and you see that Deshaun Watson is available and his legal cases are cleared up. Wouldn't you take a stab at that? Venture out to see if there, if Nick Casario wants to package a deal with Mac Jones in it. That would you know, be assuming that the old man Bill Belichick is willing to part ways with his draft picks, like an old lady's willing to part ways with with uh, coupons at the grocery store. I mean, we, Who, who's the old man? What's up? Who's the old man? You mean Belfrod, right? Oh yeah, Belfrod. Oh, Sorry, oh, yeah, Bel- Belfrod. I mean, like. We, we saw it in the draft last year. Like, he didn't want to trade up, He and everyone thought he was, like, a genius, just letting Mac Jones fall and, and whatnot. But, like, I, I, honestly, I think it would be more fun to see Justin Fields open up the uh, offense a little bit more mm-hmm. with his legs. But that's a story for a different day, uh, regardless of people bearing Justin Fields right now. But, I mean, again, like, that would mean Bill has to be aggressive with draft draft picks and trading players and the other thing is too like they just spent all this money in free agency who is nick casario going to want back like they're going to want draft picks and players like mac jones isn't going to be to me like the crown jewel like you might at that rate you might as well just stick with davis mills at that point so what are you going to do you're going to you're going to just you just paid all this money to you know, uh, New Smith and, and Hunter Henry, and you're just going to let them go for pennies on the dollar while you still pay for them because of the dead cap hit. Like, nah, I, I don't buy new England being even thinking of picking up the phone to talk about Deshaun Watson. And I don't even think, and I don't even think Deshaun would wave his no trade clause to even go up there, to be honest with you. He's, he's fed up with Houston thinking it's new England South. Like he ain't going to be playing for the old man. It's just, it's just, oh man, I'm just, I was hoping you would say something else. I'm just, 
it's trying to hit me that you know this is what I, he is. I yeah, it's trying to hit me that Mac Jones is who he is. And listen, things can change. But if you're looking at the AFC alone, like how far down do you gotta go before you say Mac Jones is better than that quarterback? I mean, I rattled off seven names to you earlier, right? Uh, Burrow, Herbert, um, Deshaun Watson, uh, You Mahomes, honestly might Allen. have to go down to Bridgewater. Right? Think about that. Think about how far like down you gotta go. Bridgewater, Drew Locke, like ew. And I'm and not like trying to bury the kid either, but like he there's no explosive place down the field. Mm-hmm. He can't really move. Like the offensive Dude, line Mills, has gotten killed sometimes. Davis, Davis Mills, Mills had, more, him. had more explosive plays, and he outplayed him, and he was moving the pocket and getting out of the pocket and throwing downfield. And I just I I'm I'm starting it's starting to sink in Puma that this is who he is, and and unfortunately the problem is I don't I think they're gonna fucking put three years into this kid and then realize all right he, he is who he is you know. Oh, it's gonna be even better. They'll they'll put five years in. They'll pick up his fifth year option. Oh my god. <laughs> Get ready, get ready, Jay. Get I ready. Just, I just can't believe we're in this situation, man. And, and it, it just, you know, I hate bringing up the same point on a weekly basis, but it just sucks watching Tom Brady play every single week and look like he's getting better. That's the fucked up part. The part isn't the, that he went away and he's playing for somebody else. He's getting better every week, Puma. Like, he's getting better every single fucking week, man. Yeah. That's what sucks, man. It's fine. In the words it, of uh, Michael Stipe. It'd be fine. The words of Michael Sight from REM. Everybody hurts. Everybody hurts, Jay. It'd be fine, Puma. It'd be fine if we had one of these young guns like like a Kyler Murray or even Trevor Lawrence, who has some insane athletic ability. But we we took this guy. Like that that that's what bugs me the most, man. And it's trying to dawn on me. Like listen, I'm still not gonna I'm still gonna give him his due. Give him three four weeks before I start to really cement my views on who he is. But I'm starting to see that he is who he is, man. Yep. Ugh. Fun times. Welcome to the back of the bus. Jay. All right. Final segment of the day. This is where Puma is going to help you win some cold, hard cash. You know? Yep. This is when you go to the bank, you take out a second mortgage, and you put every single penny of that mortgage on these picks that Puma's going to give it to you. So best bets with the Puma. Go. Yep. So best bets with the Puma brought to you by the unofficial official sports book of the Pro Football Radio Podcast. And that's the DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, also, residents of Connecticut, uh, in-state betting is going to be going live from the mobile app, possibly as early as next Tuesday while they're working through some kinks right now. But for those of you that want to take a little trip up to Foxwoods, they do have DraftKings kiosks available. Just don't try to log in with your uh, <clears throat> with your uh, account because you can't do that. You have to actually put the cash in the machine. I found that out the hard way, which, by the way, uh, if you're like me and go to Foxwoods to put these bets in, nine times out of ten, you're going to be the youngest person there because almost everybody from the retirement home got dropped off to go play slots and poker when I went up there. But that's beside the point. Best bets with the Puma. My first bet, the first ticket I'm going to be placing, I have Baltimore laying two and a half against the Los Angeles Chargers. In our earlier segment, I kind of botched it. If it was at, say, three, three and a half Baltimore, uh, I would actually probably pivot towards the Chargers to get the uh, get the field goal. But since we're inside of that key number of three, I like Baltimore laying two and a half points at home. The Cleveland Browns, I like them in this spot against the Arizona Cardinals. They're, they're laying three points. Again, it's a key number. Some people are probably going to look at the Arizona Cardinals as like a value pick, but I just I, I like the the Cleveland Browns here. I think they're going to cover the three easily with that dual heading running running attack of Kareem Hunt 
and Nick Chubb. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, they are now, I believe, right as we were recording, they were down to three points. Laying three points uh, against the New England Patriots. I like them uh, to cover that as well, too. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Monday night, uh, they're, they're playing uh, Sunday night football against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the uh, the Seahawks are traveling cross-country. They're coming to Pittsburgh. Now, normally, they, the Seahawks have a good record going into the Eastern time zone, but uh, that's not the case because Russell Wilson is going to be out uh, potentially six to eight weeks with the you know, torn tendon in his finger. It's going to be the Geno Smith's, uh, Geno Smith show. Uh, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like their defense. I think they're going to give, uh, Geno a run for his money. He did look good on Thursday night against the Rams, but the Rams weren't preparing for Geno Smith. They were preparing for Russell Wilson. Um, the, the Steelers are going to have a full week to break down everything in Geno Smith. Uh, the offense for the Steelers seems to be coming together slowly, but surely moving like Bill, uh, moving like, uh, Ben Roethlisberger when he gets out of bed in the morning, first thing all creaky and old and shit, but uh, they're five-point favorites. Uh, I like Pittsburgh laying the five here. And the last one, this is going to be the last. If this blows up my face, which potentially it will do, I'm, I'm done betting this team this year. The Washington football team do and, the Kansas, do and the Kansas City Chiefs, they are, last time I looked, the Washington football team were six-and-a-half-point dogs. I believe they're actually going to be at home uh, in in uh, in Ashburn. Uh, I, I do like... Washington covering the six and a half, seven points, depending on what book you get them at, just because of how bad this Kansas City defense is. And when you look at, listen, we all saw what Taylor Heineke did, or for lack thereof, last week against the New Orleans Saints, but we have seen what he can do, and he can move the pocket, he can stretch the field out with his legs. Uh, we saw that in the playoff game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which you know were, at the time, a much better defense than the Kansas City Chiefs are right now. Uh, I like Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to eat that secondary's lunch, in my opinion. Um, and hopefully, this, is, this would be the spot where it's now or never for this Washington football team defense. They came into this year with so much hype, and I was drinking all of the Kool-Aid for the Washington football team, for Taylor Heineke, for the defense as a whole. And I think this is going to have to be the spot. Like, Chase Young is going to have to get after it. This offensive line, the air quote, retooled offensive line, had their asses handed to them by the Buffalo Bills last week. And, you know, Chase Young, Deron Payne, uh, Montez Sweat, they, they have the talent to do what the Buffalo Bills front four did. They need to actually put that on tape. And if they can't get it done this week, they're never going to get it done this year. And this... This is make or break time betting wise for me with the Washington football team. So I will be gladly taking the six and a half, seven points for Washington against the Kansas City Chiefs. So quick rundown Baltimore laying two and a half, cash that ticket. Cleveland laying three points, cash that ticket in as well, too. Dallas laying three points against the New England Patriots, put that ticket in as well, too. Washington getting seven points against the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Pittsburgh Steelers to round it out, laying five points against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, interesting. And Puma, like, you know, this is the last question I have for you before we jump off here. Can you, as the resident Washington football team expert on the podcast, can you venture a guess into what's happening with that defense? Because it's been five weeks and they have been abhorrent. Like, I, I can't even recognize Chase Young where he is at. 
do you do you think it's coaching? Do you think something else is going on? Is it a simple case of these guys just didn't put the work in in the offseason and they're still trying to get back into shape? If you had to venture a guess, what do you think is happening with this Washington football team's defense? I think I think it's a mix of, of two things. I think it is coaching from time to time uh, because, I mean, listen, like they spent a first-round draft pick on Jamin Davis, and he is really yet to see the field. Like they're not even – and that's saying something considering how – Thin the linebacking core for Washington is, especially with the Matt Ioannidis injury. He's been he's out of the out of the uh, missing the season because I believe it was an MCL tear. So like, if Jamin Davis isn't seeing the field, that's a massive problem. So either they have no faith in him, or like the coaching staff just can't figure out a way to use him right. Uh, the secondary, I think, is taking a step back from last year. Um, I think uh, they're they're missing a couple of key players. I believe. Uh, Ronald Darby walked in free agency, if I recall correctly. Um, and then I, I think it might have just been the Washington football team defense was just drinking their own Kool-Aid. Like they've been they were getting put up in this in the category of like the 2000 Ravens and, you know, the 85 Bears. And they, they just I think they've just been drinking the Kool-Aid. I think they need to. This is going to be the key test. Like the Kansas City Chiefs are coming to town. Like if they need to if this was ever a spot to right the ship, now is it like you, you have a chance to put the Kansas City Chiefs on a two-game win, a losing streak against the Washington football team that everybody's overlooking. Like, you could play spoiler. Like, this this has to be the time. And I think this is going to have to be the get right, sit up, get, you know, get your acting gear type of situation for everybody. The coaching staff needs to get these guys schemed up right, and they need to actually put the work in, in at practice. Okay. I will, we'll, we'll keep they need to have the moxie like Taylor Heineke has. Like, they, they all... Like Taylor Heineke or Heineke. Heineke, Heineke, they need to have that moxie. Like if the, they all love Taylor Heineke and his energy, right? That needs to translate to the defensive side of the football. Like if he's going to be balling out, which I actually think he, he can because of how bad this defense is, you need to start making big plays on defense. You need to put points on the board on the defensive side of the football. Patrick Mahomes is on pace to surpass his uh, interception uh, stats over basically his career at this point. Like he, he, the most he's had so far was six from last year. We're five weeks in, and he already has six interceptions. Like you need to score on defense. Oh, I'm loving. I'm loving this Patrick Mahomes getting a taste of his own medicine, man. Oh, I love oh, it, God. Jackson. I, I, his oh. wife. Oh, oh my God, I am here for it. I am here for Patrick Mahomes getting a taste of that. Of that fucking low life, <laughs> dude. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what's gonna happen on uh, TikTok if uh, Jackson Mahomes, uh, you know, he's at the game and his brother loses? What what's Jackson Mahomes gonna do? And what's his wife gonna bitch about on Twitter? I I am so here for all of that. I I'm gonna speak that into existence all week. Washington well, here, football here, team. Let's here's go. The, here's the point of that. Like people try to separate the two, right? And I understand you can never be accounted for the actions of somebody else, but deep down, do know Patrick Mahomes thinks thinks exactly like those people. He he thinks exactly like his brother and his and his wife or fiance or whoever she is and his and his mother. Because if you're around that environment all day, it's gonna seep in. Either you're perpetuating it and you know essentially pushing them to do it, or they're pushing you to do it. Like, deep down with him himself, he's that person as well. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I got you. You can't be around that all day and not have, not allowed to, not allowed to have any of this seep in, but I'm here right. for it. I, I love seeing that cocky douche take an L. Uh, hopefully he gets a couple more L's, and uh, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be awesome, man. Yes, sir. 
right, man. Well, we're at 74 minutes. You want to plug it up? Yeah, and, let's uh, get the hell out of here. Before we plug it up, let people know we're also on TikTok as well now, at Pro Football uh, Radio. I mean, you, pl- you, you plug that up. You, you give them the TikTok handle. So I, taken... I found that out before we recorded. <laughs> well, we started a TikTok account. Um, we're just going to throw quick 60-second segments of our podcast on TikTok. Um, we thought, you know, we would try to ingratiate ourselves with some of the young folk out there. You know, we're a bunch of old men now, so we're trying to get young and hip. So TikTok is the way to go. Our username is at ProFootballRadio. Give us a follow and look out for some videos to drop. Yeah. So we got the TikTok plugging uh, out the way. Everything else we got you covered. So this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. On YouTube, be sure to hit that little subscribe button. Get the notifications when our new uh, when our next video comes out into your feed. Be sure to like, subscribe, download. Leave a five-star review on Apple. It helps us with the algorithm and getting us exposed to the masses. Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma, the captain of the ship, Jay Chima. He's on Twitter at Jay Chima and our senior contributor, senior analyst. And like I said, he's on injured reserve at the moment. It's not COVID related. We're expecting him back in action next week. And we got a text while we were recording that he's actually going to be coming up with a blog post on our website. uh, with uh, his picks and some breakdowns of the game. And we're also going to get Parker's picks, also known as Sharp Parker, because that kid has been on fire with his Woo! against the spread picks. Let's go, Sharp um, Parker. I think I think Burge, Burge has to put, like, the stats of what his season is, because no lie, like, he has been on fire with his against the spread picks. So follow us on all platforms. Hit us up on the DMs and Twitter. Our DMs are open. And uh, let's uh, let's go cash the tickets betting wise and enjoy a great weekend of football, good sir. Sir, you guys enjoy the weekend of football, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Fire con deals.